Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. Welcome to Latina Latino Stories. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Fabio Lechi. Dr. Fabio Lechi is a professor in the Department of Psychology at Ohio State University in Lima. Dr. Lechi was born and raised in Brazil. A first trip to the U.S. in his early 20s paved the way for a more permanent move years later. He has now lived approximately half of his life so far in each country. I'm actually, uh, I, I've lived in the U.S. more than I lived in Mexico, so... You know, it's we have a similar, <laughs> right, similar history. Uh, Fabio, bienvenido a este episodio. Gracias. Um, gracias por invitarme a esta conversación. Um, you have been in the U.S. for a while now. Uh, did you complete your undergraduate and graduate degrees here? I did. It has been a great long journey um, mm -hmm. so far. And so I finished my undergraduate degree here in the U.S., mm -hmm. And I've earned uh, two out of the three graduate degrees here in the U.S. as well. Okay. How was your experience in higher education, uh, especially here in the U.S.? Well, fair warning for you. If you mm -hmm. start talking about my higher education experience, we might be here for a while. But, <laughs> but I'll try to summarize. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, it's what's well, been about 11 years as a student and then followed um, by 16 years or so as a professional. Mm -hmm. All here at a high state, I should add. And so... Mm -hmm. I have much more experience in higher ed in the U.S. than I do have in Brazil, mm -hmm. even though I, I kept in touch with a few um, colleagues uh, mm -hmm. in there. So I have uh, vicariously had had some experience uh, with the higher education system in Brazil, uh, have been invited to panels there to talk mm -hmm. about the differences between the two. But uh, by and large, um, it has been here in the U.S., so we have a lot of resources for um, research, and we mm -hmm. had um, undergraduate students involved in research. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good paradigm, um, full of good resource for the students. Was it um, difficult as an immigrant? I started my um, undergraduate degree here at, at Ohio State also, mm -hmm. um, And it was difficult because during that time, I was new to the country and I also was still learning English. Uh, was that part difficult for you? I think that part was exciting for me. Um, when, when I came, I was already in college. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I transitioned um, to the U.S. as an exchange student first, and then I can tell more about that story um, mm -hmm. a little bit later. But at first was exciting because that was part of the reason why I wanted to come. I wanted mm -hmm. to see how well I could adapt, if I could be understood when speaking English. Mm -hmm. And and so it was all, it was mostly fun. I wouldn't say all, but it was mostly fun <laughs> um, because, for example, I couldn't, laugh at jokes at first because I couldn't understand some of these slang, right? right. So you had to, to adjust. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I know, you had to adjust to that. And so, mm -hmm. but, but that is fun part, uh, especially because for me in the classroom, um, things were fine. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that stress. And so the, the, the transition at the beginning for me was, was fun mm -hmm. uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, the difficult parts were... Um, not being judged or 
stereotyped and mm-hmm. things that, that we all um, have had some experience with. Right, right. So why did you decide to move to the, to the U.S.? <laughs> I'll qualify that answer with a little bit of a background um, mm-hmm. story. I remember when I was around 11 years old, and uh, I had a curiosity about um, the U.S. in the sense of um, being here part of the human experience. Could I do it? Could mm-hmm. I be understood? Could I adapt? Mm-hmm. Uh, could I learn? That was uh, my curiosity at that age. And which is odd when you consider it in hindsight, I, I understand that because <laughs> my, my peers at that age were thinking, oh, I just want to have a trip to Disney World and then right. be back and I'll be happy with that. <laughs> and it's funny, well, granted that my family didn't have money f- for that trip, <laughs> so it was uh, off the table for me, but um, I actually never had that curiosity. The curiosity was more of, well, how about I stay three months? Could I actually survive three mm-hmm. months there? P- mm-hmm. Could people understand me? And so. That's the background information. Like I had that in, in my mind uh, since I was 11. So fast forward one decade, and then I had the chance um, to actually try it, um, mm-hmm. be in the U.S. for one semester as an exchange student. And at the time, I was not thinking of moving permanently. The goal was still, well, can I just adapt? Mm-hmm. And I think that I started thinking about moving once I, I thought, at least to myself, that that I had adapted, that I had understood the culture and that I could live here. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to Brazil and then I applied to a PhD program um, in California, I was accepted there. From that point forward is when I started thinking, oh, I actually should consider moving, and if I can stay, um, once I finish the program, I will do so. So I started planning from that point on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Um, I, the way that you came about, like, sort of trying to, it, it's uh, interesting how you put it, like, oh, I just want to see if I could have done <laughs> And I wonder if that's related to what you ended up studying, you know, as a psychologist, uh, behavior, like, how do, how do we adapt to things? Uh, but you can tell me a little bit more about your research here in a little bit. Um, I want to know, um, I don't know a lot of people from Brazil um, here in Ohio. Um, and, and in general, I haven't come across with, uh, um, uh, with a lot of Brazilians. Tell me about your hometown in Brazil. Oh, Salvador. Salvador, the, the capital, the state of Bahia, um, the first capital of the country. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful and vibrant uh, coastal city. That mm-hmm. That's how I would um, describe it. Um, it has some very beautiful uh, beaches. It's a, it's a large city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the third largest city in Brazil. Um, it has grown a lot. I, I think it had maybe less than 1.5 million inhabitants when I was born and now has nearly 4 million. So wow. it, it's mm-hmm. a large city. Mm-hmm. But it's vibrant, uh, I think, specifically when you think of the cuisine and music. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. in those two items, I think we have a lot of the African influence reflected on mm-hmm. the dishes, the rhythms um, mm-hmm. that we produce. And, and so, of course, that history comes from the shameful slavery um, era. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that we have uh, embraced um, those influences and, and mixed it in our own way and has added some bit of spice, if you will, mm-hmm. both for the dishes and for the music <laughs> in terms of the rhythm. So I, 
great. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm very proud of that, and, and and I think it's a it's a beautiful city to to visit at least once. Right, yeah. and that's in by the coast, right? Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. I I don't know how. You, how you moved to Ohio from that from that city? <laughs> well, cl- clearly, I didn't make that choice based on weather or <laughs> or beach access. Right, right, um, right. But yes, uh, yes. Sometimes I think back and I wonder uh, how I did that uh, myself. <laughs> but yes, yes. Is your family still in in that area? Um, most of my family is in that area. Yes, mm-hmm. um, not all, but most. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, Fabio, you are a psychologist, but you have written a memoir about your experiences as a Brazilian immigrant in the U.S. Tell us about this work and tell us why you decided to to write this. Why was this important to you to write this memoir? Yes, well, um, the project started many years ago. Um, and and I think the idea was or came from the realization that I had lived most of my adult life already here when mm-hmm. I started thinking about it. And I thought it would be a good idea to share some of the story because I think for many of us immigrants, um, uh, we might feel that our stories are misunderstood or mm-hmm. um, combined all into one as if we are all the same or very similar. Right. Um, or even worse, uh, being judged through blends of stereotypes. And, mm-hmm. and, and I thought uh, telling one story um, could help. Um, of course, I, I put that project in the drawer for a little bit of time, mm-hmm. um, and, and I ended up uh, finishing um, last year, um, the height of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. um, the idea was uh, to share a story, uh, to allow um, others to... Um, realize that each story is unique uh, and and understand a little bit more about the individualities of each story um, mm-hmm. through mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, I really continued um, the project and finished the project um, because I realized that even for other immigrants, it could be um, reassuring to, to hear or read uh, in mm-hmm. that case. Um, from another immigrant's um, story perspective because we can relate. And and even those who are aspiring to immigrate, not only to the U.S., but to other countries, could could relate a little bit. And so that's what what made me finish um, the story, at least. Mm -hmm. So the book is titled A Long Way from Bichingui. Is that yes. right? Did I say it correctly? You did. You did. <laughs> so where is that specifically? Is it near uh, Salvador or? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and, and a question that actually I'm getting a lot. Um, <laughs> it's like, why did you even put Beijing in the title? It's yeah. not close to Salvador, <laughs> uh, even though it's by the coast. So uh-huh. it's, it's, a, it's a coastal uh, scenery. And I start telling mm-hmm. the story uh, through that perspective as well. But it's a it's a location that it's maybe about 500 miles north um, of Salvador, mm-hmm. but it's a place of uh, special significance um, um, for me because I met two um, Americans who became my friends. They were colleagues and, and friends um, in Bitingui, and um, conversations that we had there. Um, led me to actually moving permanently um, mm-hmm. to the U.S., and that's the significance of it, of telling from that perspective. Um, a series of conversations that were very important to me to making uh, the decision um, to come and, and stay permanently. And then I go back and forth past um, in, in future from, from that uh, point in time. Mm, I see. How did your own personal training and research help you write this memoir? 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, as, as, a, as a scientist, um, we are trained to write. And so the task, it was not one uh, that was unfamiliar or mm -hmm. scary to me. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, uh, the training did help. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, much of the technical writing skills um, do not apply <laughs> right. to writing <laughs> memoirs, I have learned. So particularly uh, difficult for me mm -hmm. was to expand upon details mm -hmm. of a story to bring the reader along, for example, because we try to be brief mm -hmm. uh, in most of the technical uh, reports. And so... Um, I had to work on that, uh, and, and it was fun. It was challenging. Um, yes, there were some frustrating moments, sure, um, because I didn't feel like I, I could necessarily achieve um, what I wanted to achieve in some of the stories until I tried several times. Um, but, but I had fun uh, doing it and, and pushing myself and challenging myself to be a broader writer. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that write memoirs um, experience some sort of catharsis after writing uh, this type of book. Uh, did you feel like that was your experience or what, what, that if, what did you feel when it was finally you know, done, completed? Um, after it was done, um, I think the the first emotional reaction was relief, but, yeah. <laughs> but because I, I said, "Oh, finally, I, I actually have a product that I, that I can uh, deliver." But but I think that during um, the writing of it, or during most of the writing, um, catharsis is the right word for it. Um, mm -hmm. And and I think that for me, especially because it happened during um, the height of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Mm -hmm. um, most of my the writing happened uh, summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I was in complete isolation, mm -hmm. and yet um, telling myself to recollect lots of these stories with uh, friends and family uh, about whom I was worried, and mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have a way to get close to them uh, right. really uh, in, in in that time, and so. Uh, for me, was cathartic because mm -hmm. of that. Uh, right. So during the writing, um, because of the circumstances that, that we were all facing at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Do you have uh, future projects uh, in in as a nonfiction writer or maybe fiction writer um, in the in the near future? And also, um, talk to us a little bit about the work that you do as a as a researcher. Sure. Um, well, I guess uh, I'll answer the projects uh, part first. Um, I'll let the readers uh, decide where I go from there. Um, if they want me to continue uh, mm -hmm. writing, uh, mm -hmm. I, I can take uh, some suggestions. So, for example, some have asked me for a part two um, mm -hmm. to the memoir, and, mm -hmm. and I'm considering doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because... Um, the goal of this uh, book was to bring the readers along um, with the transition in mind, mm -hmm. right? The focus was how does one transition from the native country to the U.S. in particular, because that's my experience mm -hmm. and the sacrifice that it takes and um, the things that, that you go through along the way. So that was my main focus. But then some readers have wondered, and then what happened? Because you've been in Ohio for right. so long, and mm -hmm. so don't you have stories to tell um, mm -hmm. in Ohio? And I suppose I do. Um, it was just not the focus of this one. And so if there is interest, I think that I could um, start a sequel uh, mm -hmm. to that one. Mm -hmm. um, other potential readers have asked me to um, 
tell the story in Portuguese or Spanish or both. Um, you wrote and, it in and, English. Because I wrote it in English. Mm -hmm. And so I've only published in English so far. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm up for the task. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm considering that actually both languages, even though I understand that it's not simply a matter of translating, right? right. Especially because it's my native language. And so I, I'll tell the story again, but then I'll tell the story uh, in different languages, mm -hmm. maybe Portuguese. Um, and Spanish and, and possibly even um, French down the line if there is an interest. So, so those are the things that come directly from the book. I have a follow-up sure. question with that. Um, when you were writing, um, did the writing come in English or were there moments where you're like, you switched to Portuguese or how did that come out, come about, you know? Right, yeah, mm -hmm. that's actually um, a very good question and, and uh, I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that uh, all the writing came in English. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> because most of my writing has, mm -hmm. you know, professionally speaking, has been done uh, in English. In English and so yeah. writing in English is uh, somewhat easier for me than writing in Portuguese. So mm -hmm. now I'm up to the task of trying to uh, try in Portuguese. But I was the, um, some of my um, pre-publication readers, some patience with me because I'm sure that I would need to have uh, portions corrected um, to, to what they, the, the core, normal Portuguese is uh, at this point in time <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm not in touch with it any longer. Um, but yes, it, it, it came in English. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, t tell us about your research. Yeah, so I, I do research in cognitive psychology, most interested in how people think, how people make um, decisions, and, and even how people learn. Um, some of mm -hmm. the, the things that I have um, done uh, more recently have to do with how, how people learn. So I'm very interested in those. I have also done some methodological um, pieces um, related to mathematical modeling, which is my area of expertise, and mm -hmm. that I think it's a whole other podcast right. um, uh, <laughs> about. But um, it, it is what I do. I, I'm, I continue to, to do that. I continue to be interested in it, and, and that's my my professor's side of the job, mm -hmm. right? The, the mm -hmm. memoir, it's more of my personal um, side in, in time. Right. Um Fabio, is there anything else you would like to add to our conversation? I know there is a future, maybe part two uh, book and maybe other languages for you to write. Um, so I don't know if you have anything else that you would like to add to um, that the readers are welcome to share their opinions with me and, and start, um, you know, sharing their own um, experiences. I think that if anything, mm -hmm. um, that that I want. Um, the book to inspire others to do is to share their own stories. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it's it's not a competition. Is let's share their our stories and um, and maybe be better understood uh, in the end um, because of it. Right, right. Uh, Fabio, gracias por esta conversación. Uh, gracias a usted. And now you will hear a short reading from Fabio's book. Thinking back to how it all started, I'm not quite sure why they chose to let me crash their party. Perhaps I self-invited quite enthusiastically so I could both learn from them and practice English. Although I'm mostly reserved, I recall I used to jump at opportunities that could help me speak the language a bit more fluently. However, our friendship got started. We visited many times since, sharing holidays, laughs, and some real-life drama in the process. And in many carefree conversations, I was often reminded we were and I have come a long way from Bichingui. We were not going to move to Cleveland. That's okay. 
I will have my own opportunities in the future. Indeed, there was no slight in the answer. I just said it matter-of-factly, figuring if she had a shot, I might get one also. Bottom line, there was no packing to do at the moment, and I would not mind doing my own packing at some point. It took me nearly 10 years to be able to spot an opportunity I could use to my advantage, despite always being on the lookout for one. It had to be educational, and it had to be one I could afford to do on my own. I had finally homed in on one that could check all the boxes. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Thank you.